You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean Every time. Because messes happen. Because... I made the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Hello to all you podcast listeners. We're bringing you something really special. One of the great spiritual thinkers of our time, Eckhart Tolle and I, are giving you a chapter-by-chapter class on what I believe is his groundbreaking masterpiece, Eckhart's best-selling book, A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. This book resonated with me in such a profound way. I truly think that it's the most important book I've ever read. It's changed the way I live my life. So much so that I always have a copy on my nightstand because I constantly give myself a refresher course. And now more than ever, we need to create what Eckhart calls a new earth inside our personal lives, in our communities, and the world. Give it a listen, and over 10 episodes, you too will be opened up and learn how to quiet your mind, get your ego in check, live a fully more present life. We're talking deep, big picture, even delving into consciousness and the reason why we're all really here. My greatest hope is that Eckhart's quiet wisdom and patient teachings will resonate with you as they have with me. Each podcast episode will start with my conversation with Eckhart about a chapter, and then Eckhart answers questions from people who are reading along in the book. So I encourage you to get your own copy of A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose, and join us for a thrilling, enlightening, and spiritual experience. We're in the home stretch, just two more classes to go. And now that we're at chapter nine of A New Earth, we are getting to the heart of why this is absolutely one of my favorite books ever. Last time we explored who we are at our core. Now we're taking it to the next level by learning how to discover our inner purpose. That's the reason why we're all here. And today we'll tackle just how you do that. That's why this chapter may be the most exciting one of all. It answers the question, awakening to your life's purpose. One thing is for sure, once you find your inner purpose and then you align with that, everything else that you do, your job, your relationships, your family, everything, then you're in the flow of your life. And that is a very good place to be, the only place to be, really. We're here with author Eckhart Tolle, number nine. We're counting down. We're down to the last two chapters of our book. And it is my most sincere hope that all of our classes so far have been leading you to find more purpose and joy in your own lives. And it's really about bringing clarity to finding your inner purpose. 
And uh, so I, I think this is my most exciting chapter of all. I know I say that every chapter. I didn't say that last chapter, and I'll tell you why in a few moments. Yes. Well, we're discussing chapter nine, your inner purpose, finding your purpose is what I believe we're all put on the planet to do. So many people spend their lives, you know, trying to figure out what job, what job to do, what to do, what to do, what to do. I think when you figure out what your purpose is and you align the outer purpose with the inner purpose, then the job really doesn't matter, yes. right? That's, Very true. that's the essence of what yes. you're saying yes. in this chapter. Um, let us begin, page 257. As soon as you rise above mere survival, the question of meaning and purpose becomes a paramount importance in your life. Many people feel caught up in the routines of daily living, you say, that seem to deprive their life of significance. Some believe life is passing them by or has passed them by already. Others feel severely restricted by the demands of their job and supporting a family. Some are consumed by stress, lost in frantic doing, Many people long for the freedom and expansion that prosperity promises. Others already enjoy the freedom that comes with prosperity and discover that even that's not enough to endow their lives with true meaning. There is no substitute for finding true purpose. Mm -hmm. So how do we do it? Now, what you just read basically, of course, means that many people spend their lives in a state of almost permanent dissatisfaction, right. unfortunately. They may be looking for some purpose or they may have given up hope that there is some purpose for them and they're just surviving mm -hmm. or making a living. Or caught up in the doing. Caught up in the doing, mm -hmm. uh, in the stress of it. Right. And so usually when we talk about purpose, when people talk about purpose, they think of purpose in terms of future, where am I going, what am I supposed to do, mm -hmm. what's the direction I'm going, what is my goal, the goal that I want to achieve. And that, of course, is there, it has its place, but I call that the outer purpose. More fundamental than the outer purpose is what most people usually overlook, and that is the realization that what matters most is finding your inner purpose. Now, to most people, that initially doesn't mean anything, inner right. purpose. And this is why I explain it briefly in the dialogue that is there in that chapter, where somebody asks about, I want to know what my purpose is, and I tell that person, your purpose is to be here at this moment and asking that question, because right. this is where you are. So inner purpose is aligning your life fully with the present moment, so that you are no longer out of alignment with the present moment, which leads to the state of dissatisfaction that we talked mm -hmm. about, that is the reality for many people. Mm -hmm. So you have to go, first of all, beyond the state of dissatisfaction that is so many people's reality. Right. But you cannot go beyond the state of dissatisfaction through some future goal that says, one day I would like to be in a state of fulfillment or satisfaction. No, you have to enter the state of fulfillment and satisfaction by becoming one internally with the present moment. And the, your purpose then, your inner purpose, is that alignment with where you are right now, to be totally where you are and whatever you are doing, even if it doesn't look like your, the life purpose for the, that you want right. for the next 30 right. years, right. whatever you are doing now, to be total in doing it, and no matter what it is, to be true, 
to life by being true to this moment. Yeah. As you say on page 271, there is always only this one step. And so you give it your fullest attention. This doesn't mean that you don't know where you're going. It just means that the step that you're taking right now is primary. The destination is secondary. And what you encounter at your destination once you get there de depends on the quality of this one step. I love this so much because I discovered this when I was in the third grade. I couldn't articulate it this way in the third grade. But when I was in the third grade, I turned in a book report early in this driver's class. And the reaction that I got from my third grade teacher taught me or informed me that when you do your best, when you do your best in any given moment, that is well received. Because my third grade teacher told all the other teachers in the teacher's lounge and I became known as this kid who really loved to read. And that's why we're sitting here today <laughs> because of that. But I learned in the third grade this whole process of Whatever you're doing in any given moment, if you do it your best, it leads you to the next best moment. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about what's the next moment coming if you only do your best in this moment. That's right, because when the next moment comes, it comes as this moment. Right. Uh, the future, you never experience the future as the future. You experience the future when it comes as the now, because that's all there is. That's all there ever is. And that's an amazing realization for people to realize life is always just this. It's always the now. Yeah. It's interesting because last week we had Nick, and you, you said, to, and when Nick was up talking about, he had to, well, you have to worry about your bills, and you said, well, you don't have to worry about you your bills. You have to pay your bills. You have to but... pay your bills. <laughs> But you don't have to worry about yeah. paying your bills. So anytime I'd find myself, you know, in the mind worrying about something, I don't have to worry about this. I can either figure out what to do about it or re release that thought. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So if the bill is here, but the money is not there right now, I can't do anything, put it aside. And put then aside. see what action can I take now? And then you do whatever action you can take now. Yeah. If you can't, can't take any action, then you just be with it. Yeah. Right. But I love that when I read that there is always only this one step. And so you give this one step your fullest attention. That's in the middle of page 271, everybody. And this doesn't mean you don't know where you're going. It just means that this step is primary and the destination is secondary. And what happens is most people are living their lives as though the destination, the end. Yes. The well, end is what it's all about. Yes, as if the end were more important than, than uh, the means. Than means. And so the means and the end, however, are one. Right. So if there's a dissatisfaction and a denial of the present moment, which is a denial of life, right. you're not honoring life if you don't honor this moment by being open to mm -hmm. this moment, then that is how you will experience the future because the future is no more than an extension of now. Right. You also say on page 271, the unconscious assumption behind all such action is, is that success is a future event and that the end justifies the means, but the end and the means are one. You say that. Let's say you're a business person. After two years of intense stress and strain, you finally manage to come out with a product or service that sells well and makes money. Success in conventional terms, yes, but in reality, you spent two years polluting your body as well as the earth with negative energy. You made everybody crazy. <laughs> I don't say that. <laughs> you made everybody and everybody around you crazy and affected others you didn't even know. The unconscious assumption behind all of this action is that success is a future event and that the end justifies the means, but the end and the means are one. 
And if the means did not contribute to human happiness, neither will the end. So whatever the end result is, it's going to carry the energy of what it took to get there. Yes, that's it. Yes, yes. That's exciting. Yes, and that means you actually, you, you determine what kind of future you're going to experience by deciding to be total, totally aligned with the present moment. That's right. It's your, it's your state of consciousness now that will determine whatever is manifested yes. in the future. And when that happens, that'll just be now. I got that. I got that very much. Okay, so let's continue with this lesson. You say the true or primary purpose of your life cannot be found on the outer level. To me, that's the essence of what this book is all about. Everybody who's searching and waiting for answers and looking for it on the outer level, it does not concern what you do, but what you are. That is to say, your state of consciousness. So the most important thing to realize is this. Your life has an inner purpose and an outer purpose. Inner purpose concerns being and is primary. Outer purpose concerns doing and is secondary. You want to elaborate on that? So once you realize that the primary purpose of your life is, this, is the inner, mm -hmm. and this is what becomes the main purpose, then the secondary purpose, the outer purpose, falls into place. By being true to life and being true to now, Life will bring to you whatever is most appropriate as far as your inner purpose is concerned. Life will become helpful. Suddenly, sometimes the helpful idea comes from within, a sudden realization, oh, this is what I want to do, this is what I have to do. Mm -hmm. But the, the realization only came because you were aligned with the present moment. So let's say this, everybody, everybody who is born is alive and breathing has an inner purpose. Yes, the inner purpose is the same for all of humanity, which is being aligned with life, saying yes to life by saying yes to now, aligned with the power of the present moment, which is the power of life. That's everybody's purpose. Then the outer purpose varies from person to person. How that translates into what you do mm -hmm varies from person to person, and even in one lifetime it can vary. You may do, uh, you have a certain outer purpose for 10 or 20 years of your life and suddenly it changes completely. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that varies and is subject to time. It doesn't necessarily last your whole lifetime. Whatever you say finding and living in alignment with the inner purpose is the foundation of fulfilling your outer, outer purpose. purpose. It's the basis for true success. Without that alignment, you can still achieve certain things through effort, through struggle, to determination, and sheer hard work or cunning, but there is no joy in such endeavor, and in such endeavor, and it invariably ends in some form of suffering. Yes, that is, you're struggling to make it. You're struggling and fighting, and basically you're making, you're fighting against life or the world. Me against the universe is what the ego, how the ego sees it. And isn't it sort of like swimming upstream? I always compare it to swimming upstream when you're like going against the grain of your life. There's a flow to all of our lives. And if you are suffering, if you are in pain, if you can't figure out what it is you're supposed to do, if you're worried, worried, worried all the time, it is because you're going against the flow or the grain of your life. Yes. Means you're going against inner purpose. Yes. That when you align with inner purpose, everything flows. Yes. Yeah. 
And any negative state, whenever negativity arises and you, yeah. you dwell in negative inner states, then you're, you're not going with the flow of life, you're right. against the flow of life. Yeah. And then you experience life as not helpful, you experience life as even as hostile, because you are in a state of inner denial, you're in a state of negativity, you're not open to life. Okay, I got that. I really got that. I really got that. Another friend of mine, a teacher uh, who wrote a book called Seed of the Soul, Gary Zukov calls it, says, when the personality or ego comes to serve the energy of the soul or consciousness, we, we've been calling that, when the personality comes to serve the energy of the soul, that is authentic empowerment. I take that to mean from Seed of the Soul that when you align your personality or use your personality, to serve the inner purpose, yeah. to serve the soul or the consciousness, then you are your most powerful yes. in the world. Yes, yeah. and then you are not run by the mind anymore because the mind becomes the servant of what I sometimes call awareness mm -hmm. or presence. Mm -hmm. The mind then serves something greater than itself, which is the consciousness. You say on page 259, instead of being lost in your thinking, when you are awake, or aware, you recognize yourself as the awareness behind it. Thinking then ceases to be a self-serving, autonomous activity that takes possession of you and runs your life. Awareness takes over from thinking, and instead of being in charge of your life, love this everybody, instead of being in charge of your life, thinking becomes the servant of awareness. Yes, and then the mind is quite helpful. So the mind can be used for many wonderful things right. when it no longer controls you. I got it. So in essence, our goal on earth as human beings, these spiritual beings in the body, higher consciousness inside this flesh-filled, membranous, whatever, body, our goal is to allow the light of inner purpose or consciousness, consciousness. to come through yes. everything that we do. Yes. This is why we're here, and that is then also the entire universe is, the purpose of the universe, one could say, is the flowering of consciousness. It right. moves towards more and more consciousness. Okay. So we then become bringers of that, which is why we are here. So then the, the consciousness, you could call it the light, mm -hmm. the light of the source, the light of God, comes through the human form. That's right. And so when you allow the light of God, the light of consciousness to come through you, and it is allowed to fuel whatever it is you do, whatever it is you do will be fueled with a spiritual power that will allow you to be the best at what you do. Yes. Okay. And, and then that also means that what you do is not of primary importance, but how you do what you, you do, do is what matters, mm -hmm. how you do it. And you could be doing something that the world would regard as relatively insignificant and yet make an enormous difference to the consciousness on the planet. Ivy is from Richmond, Virginia. Hi, Hi. Ivy. I hear you Hi. have a question Hi. about uh, one of my favorite quotes. Go ahead. What is the question? Yeah. Well, my question deals with trying to find a career path that merges your inner purpose with outer purpose. And on the top of page 274, you say, Eckhart says, there may be a period of insecurity and uncertainty. And he goes on to say that if you're able to live with uncertainty, even enjoy it, um, yeah. you, you become comfortable with uncertainty, infinite possibilities open up in your life. 
And my question is this, I'm 26 years old, and in the past few months, I've tried to find a career path that merges my inner purpose with my outer purpose, and haven't really been able to do so. I began to think a lot about my life's purpose and question whether or not I would ever find a career that merged my life's work with something I was passionate about. So my question really is twofold. The first is, how should I approach finding a career that is fulfilling but doesn't strengthen my ego? And secondly, and perhaps the more pressing question for me is, how do I do this while also becoming comfortable and embracing the uncertainty that's defining my life right now? Good, Good question. Yes. So to what extent have you become successful in embracing and accepting at this time of your life that you don't know yet what your purpose is? To what extent are you able to say, well, see, can I become comfortable with not knowing? Have you been able to do that? I, there are periods where I've been able to, but mostly it's just a lot of thinking and feeling very uncomfortable about not knowing. Yes, and often the uncomfortableness are certain thoughts that go through your mind that tell you that it's not okay to be in this state. Mm -hmm. And then you have certain emotions, which are the body's reaction to those thoughts. So you, when these thoughts arise, they tell you it's not okay, the way you are right now is not okay. Realize that these are thoughts that arise in your mind, conditioned by the surrounding culture and so on. And you don't necessarily need to believe in each thought that comes and tells you it's not okay not to know what to do. Life is an adventure. It's not a package tour. When you travel, you can take a package tour and everything is already planned. There's no uncertainty. <laughs> and every you go to a really nice hotel room, a more exotic country, but you won't even know it's exotic because your hotel room is the same as every other hotel room. You're totally sheltered, but everything is planned. You know beforehand where you're going to be in 10 days' time, exactly. That's not an adventure, and it's unlikely that you are going to evolve internally through a trip like that. Mm. But if you went into a true trip into some exotic country, thrown back on your own resources, then you would encounter true adventure, but all, and, and you would probably not be the same person when you come back. Why not? Because we are constantly faced with uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to accept that, you can actually enjoy the adventure. If you cannot accept the, it's, I'm giving this um, analogy of a trip because yes. life is a journey. Yes. And so the person who cannot enjoy the uncertainty when adventure comes is going to be in a continuous state of uh, negativity or fear. I don't want to be here. I'd rather be at home. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So realize that life is an adventure. And part of the adventure of life is being in that state that you are in now. If everything were already clear to you now, everything were already mapped out, there would be no evolution of yourself as and, a human and, being. And may I say, Ivy, that is part of what being 26 is all about. <laughs> that, is, that is what 26 is. You're trying to figure it out. That is, yeah, yeah that and, is what the 20s are for. Yes, and, and another very uh, helpful thing to remember is one of the um, most wonderful things in, in your period of life is to make mistakes. Yeah. Because mistakes means you realize, oh, that's not, that wasn't my purpose. Yes. And so you're a little bit closer to your true purpose. And then perhaps you think, oh, baby, that is my purpose. And then you, after a while you realize, no, that's not. And it's very helpful to make mistakes because gradually 
you begin to realize what it is that is right for you. Yeah. And many times, uh, as Eckhart says in this chapter, Ivy, and you will find in your 20s, the 20s are about figuring out where you want to be, and there's this frustration. That's why they call that show The Young and the Restless, because there's a restlessness <laughs> about it. Uh, and I know that because I've kept journals since I was 15 in my 20s. Oh, I'm just restless, restless, restless. And when I was your age, 26, I was an anchor woman in television uh, doing the evening news. I hated it every single day. And what I now realize, and even then, uh, my dis displeasure with being in that place every day was really informing me what I needed to do. What I needed to do was to get out of that space. And many times, being in a space that you can clearly identify as this is, I do not want to do this. I want to be in television, I knew, but I do not want to do this. And you know, and I had my, 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 my father and everybody around saying, you're gonna give up that job in television? I knew I could not do that. News felt uh, exploitive to me. So many times if you're in a position where you know it's not what you don't want to do, isn't that also helpful, Eckhart? Oh, yes, yes. Um... For a while, I thought my life purpose was to be an academic in, mm. at university. And then the sudden realization after years of spending time working hard to become a professor, I realized that's not my life purpose at all. I had to, but I had to go Didn't through that. Didn't you give that. up a promising career yes. as an academician? Yes, a prom I gave up the PhD, I gave up the promising career, and uh, my relatives, my mother thought I was insane. Mm -hmm. to give that up, but I knew this is what I had to do. It was so clear, there was no doubt about it anymore. For a little while there was doubt and then the realization was so strong, I had to walk out of there. And that led to a period of uncertainty for a few years. I didn't know what am I supposed to do with my life. Here I am, I was just barely managing to survive. And gradually I lived, but I was not unhappy. I, I was happy with the present moment mm -hmm. then already. And then gradually, something evolved. People started asking me questions. People that I met casually in parks, casual. And gradually, a kind of spiritual teaching started to happen. And after a little while, when somebody called me for the first time, oh, you are a spiritual teacher, I said, oh, that's what I am. <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the purpose came by itself. It came just out of that state of just being with what is, and not being unhappy with not knowing, mm -hmm. being at ease with not knowing. Mm -hmm. Then it's much more likely to come to you when you're at ease with not knowing. So the question that you can ask yourself, can I be at ease with, with not, not knowing? Because what you say on 274 that Ivy had mentioned earlier, you become comfortable with uncertainty, infinite possibilities open up in your life. And it means when you become comfortable with uncertainty, uh, it means fear is no longer a dominant factor in what you do and no longer prevents you from taking action to initiate change. That's the big thing. Yes. Because as long as you are afraid, you cannot allow the energy of what is supposed to happen to come into your life, as long yes. as you're afraid, right? Yes, the fear right. blocks that. Yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, be alert and watch your mind to see what kind of thoughts it produces. Feel also there may be the emotion of fear, as Oprah says, mm -hmm. arising occasionally, associated with a thought. Which like what's going to happen to me. Yes, because the mind wants to know what's, what the future is going to bring, but how 
that life would be, how dreadfully boring it would be if you knew already what's going to happen. Well, part of that is because, too, uh, people get afraid because of, again, what Nick said. What, Nick is our spiritual teacher this way. Because of what <laughs> Nick said last week about worrying about your bills because yes. you're, you're living outside yourself. You're creating more debt, creating more debt, creating more debt, uh, allowing yourself to, be, to operate from the thinking mind. Yes. Uh, at the time that you made these decisions for yourself, you were living on, and practically, you said, at the poverty level. Yes. So. Yes. And so you survive somehow, you mm -hmm. make it. Uh, the one more question before you go, is there anything in your life that, you've, that you truly enjoy? Are there certain things that you enjoy doing that may not be necessarily associated in your mind with career? Not really, that I can think of, nothing I can think of. Okay, then what's left, what's left is for you to enjoy the present moment and yeah. make that your spiritual practice. Yeah. But I thought you were saying earlier, Ivy, about, you know, trying to align your passion, what you love, and getting paid for it. Isn't that what you were talking yeah. about earlier? Well, something I was passionate about, to align something, to align what I'm passionate about once I figure that out. <laughs> I don't really know what that is right now. Yeah. To reiterate uh, something that uh, Eckhart was saying last week, it doesn't come out of your head. For everybody who's looking for that answer, for the purpose of your life, or what should I be doing? It does not come from your head. It's not something that you're ever gonna think up. No. You don't think it. Being still and allowing the, the presence of a universal energy, the presence of consciousness to come through you in such a way that it's a feeling. It is a feeling. It is not something you're gonna think up how to do it. And you will just, uh, you will, you will start to feel that I feel better doing this thing than I feel doing the other thing. It's a feeling that comes to you, not, not, not something that comes in your head, That's correct? right, yes. And you need to be careful that you are not in a state of dissatisfaction because right. when you're in dissatisfaction, it's, the answer is not likely to come, neither right. from within nor from without. So keep your inner space clear, aligned with now, so that no negativity arises. And then may I add also, for you and everybody else who's trying to get this whole idea of purpose, uh, some clarity about that, when you allow yourself to be still with it, you're not afraid of the uncertainty, the, the universe rises up to meet you. The world, Eckhart says in here, I can't remember what page in this chapter, but he talks about how coincidences happen. You know, little things and big things happen. So you then have to be alert and paying attention to your life so when the opening shows itself, you're ready. Yes. Yeah. That, and that's much more likely to come when you're in a state of clarity aligned with now. Then the answer can come from within or the answer can come from without. Right. As some a chance encounter, something you see in the paper. Or right. So, or something you can't even think where it might come from. A synchronistic event, a coincidence. Right. It shows itself. Yes. That's right. Yeah. In ways that you hadn't seen before. Thank you, Ivy, from Richmond, Thank Virginia. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. So you say on 261, while you're perhaps still waiting for something significant to happen to your life, you may not realize that the most significant thing that can happen to a human being has already happened within you. The beginning of the separation process of thinking and awareness. Which is the awakening, which is another way of, of explaining what the term awakening means, that 
before your awareness or your consciousness was totally identified with thought processes, with thinking. But now, and this is the case for everybody who reads this book and finds it meaningful. Right. It means if you are reading this book and you find it meaningful, something within your response, it means you have already begun to, to awaken. awaken. Yeah. If you haven't, the book will be meaningless. Got it. <laughs> Got it. You say, as long as you are unaware of being on 263, you will seek meaning only within dimension of doing, the dimension of doing and the future. That is to say, the dimension of time. Whatever meaning or fulfillment you find will dissolve. Invariably, it will be destroyed by time. And meaning we find on that level is true only relatively and temporary. Yes. So you're saying looking outside yourself, you're not going to find the meaning. No, that's right. Well, Nick, <laughs> you're back. Good to be here. <laughs> okay. You have a question? Actually, uh, my question kind of relies on a premise that's not exactly stated in the book. Uh, but the premise is God is love. And if God is love and you love what you're doing uh, as far as a career, then God, does God then sanction that career? And is it then meant to be? Uh, is it right? If, uh, let's say, if you don't go to church, but if you enjoy doing something like reading, uh, and if you're reading constantly and, and you get a more spiritual feeling from reading than ever walking into a church, then isn't that, isn't that right? Isn't that in alignment with, um, or is, is love not anything that matters in a career choice? Oh. Well, good question. Now, love, of course, is used in a very loose sense. It means so many different things to different people. And the expression, I love this or that, or I love doing this or that, is used casually by people, often meaning totally different things. For example, if somebody is obsessed with what they do in an ego way, totally focused, but in a negative way to a large extent, uh, totally f obsessed with what they are doing, uh, and they an outside observer might say, oh, he loves what he's doing. He loves it so much that he gets up at five every morning and doesn't go, leave, doesn't leave the office until 10 at night. But he's totally obsessed with what he's doing and there's no love in it. It's an obsession. But in a, it, because love is used in such a loose way, sometimes we call that love. Mm -hmm. So when you actually love what you are doing, it's a totally different energy field that moves into what you are doing. It means you are aligned completely with what you do. Okay. And then, yes, then you do bring a different consciousness. You bring the unconditioned consciousness into this world through whatever you do. And it might be a doing or it may just be being somewhere. You mentioned a church. You can find God in many places. Every, any place is holy. And the present moment, when you only pay attention to it completely, then you realize, actually, it's sacred. The present moment is sacred. When, you're really, when you really bring attention to it, and then it doesn't matter where you are. You can be in a building, you can be out in nature, you can be in the middle of a traffic, and you really bring your attention to this moment, and you realize, there is a sacredness here. Mm -hmm. You may be able to feel it more deeply when you're out in nature than in the middle of LA freeway, but even there, it can be sensed if you are present enough. And there, that's love. There, lo love arises. 
And if you're doing something and you're total in what you do, not obsessed, not wanting the future more than you want the present, mm -hmm. but totally wanting the present, totally wanting what you are doing, then yes, then you love what you do, and that is true love. And anybody who embodies that energy is creating the new earth. And so that's so, correct then? Yes. If there's a difference. I, I guess I'm thinking of Joseph Campbell where he talks about following your bliss, mm -hmm. and he talks about how uh, appetitive desires like uh, eating and sex and drugs, things through the body, loves that come through the body, are nothing compared to the love that comes from the spirit, which um, makes everything else pale in comparison. Yeah. And that is the bliss that Joseph Campbell talks about. Yes. And that's that's what I that's what I think you mean yes. uh, when you say that we are present and we're doing what we're supposed to do because we feel that feeling that makes everything else pale in comparison. That's right. um, yeah. Nick, that's what he's talking about at the bottom of 261. So while you're perhaps still waiting for something significant to happen in your life, you may not realize that the most significant thing that can happen has already happened within you. The beginning of the separation process of thinking and awareness. When you take yourself out of your head and take yourself out of the doing, 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 and allow yourself to connect with the consciousness or spirit or soul, whichever word you want to use for it, that is connected to all consciousness. Mm -hmm. The spirit that is connected to the greater spirit is what he's talking about. Yes. And, you and, got it, Nick. Uh, <coughs> Nick, <laughs> it's a lot of hard work. <laughs> Nick, listen, I didn't worry this week because he's told you not to worry. Have you been worried about your bills this week? Um, no, he just Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. One more thing, when, just to add to this, when the doing, when you're doing in that uh, state of consciousness, that means whatever you do is not primarily a means to an end, Correct. but an end in itself. Right. You know what you want to achieve through the doing, that's fine, but the essence of the doing is in the doing, not the goal that you want to achieve through it. So often the question you can ask yourself is, is what I'm doing right now primarily a means to an end or am I total in what I do? And there's a different quality flows into what you do when it is not just a means to an end. And that is doing in the state of presence and different energy flows into that. I love that. We're at the bottom of 263. You say, for example, if caring for your children gives meaning to your life, because everybody's looking for meaning, yes. what happens to the meaning when they don't need you anymore and perhaps don't even listen to you anymore? If helping others gives meaning to your life, you depend on others being worse off than yourself so that your life can continue to be meaningful and you feel good about yourself. If the desire to excel, win, or succeed, I'm at the top of page 264, everybody, uh, at this or that activity provides you with meaning. What if you never win or your winning streak comes to an end? Making it in whatever field is only meaningful as long as there are thousands or millions of others who don't make it. So you need other human beings to fail so that your life can have meaning. I was going to ask, though, what if you're making it, you're aligned with your purpose? Yes. Now, after that, it doesn't yes. say that those things should not be pursued immediately after what you just read. Yes, it says, I'm not saying here that helping mm. others, caring for your children, or striving for excellence in whatever field are not worthwhile things to do. For many people, they're important. 
In the end, though, you say it means you should connect them to your inner primary purpose so that a deeper meaning flows into what you do. Yes. For yeah. example, then, if, for example, we talked about looking after your children and the, that being the main purpose of your life. Yeah. And again, we have the two dimensions of purpose. Outer purpose, which is what a good parent does anyway. Right. You look after the needs of the child. What right. you, and you protect the child as much as possible. But is the inner purpose there also? Which the inner purpose is there when a field of awareness arises between you and the child, there's a space. Are you able to give the child spaciousness or space? Are you able to be open and listen to the child in non-judgmental way? Are you able to be with be. your child? Are you able to be with your child or so are you continuous doing? doing? Yeah. Or can you bring being into your relationship with your child? And if you bring being in, that is you're fulfilling the inner purpose. And, and then when the child grows up, it's less, much less likely or improbable that you will get attached to your role of parent. You will then be able to let go of the role and then be... be and then able to be, be whatever you need to yes. be in any given situation. Yes. All right. You say, if you ignore your inner purpose, that's why I keep reading from the book, because I think I want to stress how important it is to connect your inner purpose. If you ignore your inner purpose, bottom of 264, no matter what you do, even if it looks spiritual, the ego will creep into how you do it, and so the means will corrupt the end. The common saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, points to this truth. So in other words, not your aims or your actions are primary, but the state of consciousness out of which they come. Fulfilling your primary purpose is laying the foundation for a new reality, a new earth. Doesn't that mean that it's not just what you do, but it's the intention behind what you, which, what you do it? Yes, the, mm -hmm. the consciousness that flows into what you do. And uh, there's no future is always secondary in the doing. That is the your future is, is not that you look forward to primarily, but totality in what you do, being totally here. Any performer, any artists know this very well. When you are total, then a, completely different energy arises. That's right. Uh, the moment the artist performs, sometimes there's uh, an empowerment that suddenly comes in because then it's sometimes only then that this person can be absolutely total in yeah. the present moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see that. So Gwyn and Bob have spent years teaching at schools on U.S. military bases throughout Europe. They now live outside Munich, uh, Germany. Hi, Gwyn and Bob from Munich. Hello. Hi. Hi. What's your question? Yes, um, well, my question's about apologizing. I'm reading on page 258. You say the most important thing to realize is your life has inner and outer purpose. And I have found that um, apologizing when it's um, the right time helps me get back in alignment. However, when I've been wronged by someone, I expect to hear that apology to help build the relationship and get it back to a positive way. Um, and I like feeling comfortable around others. And when there's not closure and not and apologies don't come, I feel very uncomfortable. And I'm beginning to wonder if this is my ego at play and how can I maintain an inner and outer alignment when I don't feel I've had an appropriate apology from the person I expected it from. Well, you just answered your own question, really. I'm going to let Eckhart answer it. <laughs> but you just answered your own question because you just, key word here, 
appropriate. Yeah. I've not received the appropriate <clears throat> apology from people. That would be your ego that needs that appropriate apology. Take it away, Eckhart. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. <Good>. Tolling. <laughs> and adding to that, uh, of course, the ego, another thing the ego does, it keeps accounts and it says, you owe me. Yeah. And in this case, of course, it says, you owe me an apology. Now, yeah. this is good because this is an opportunity for you to become aware of the ego in you. So whenever the ego arises and you recognize it as the ego, it's a great opportunity of saying, oh, there's the ego. There's, there, there are the thoughts that the ego produces in my mind which say, he should apologize. She should have apologized. And another thought that comes, I can't be comfortable with this person anymore unless he or she apologizes. Mm -hmm. So you can observe the thoughts that the ego produces and you can observe the emotions that are there as the result of those thoughts. So it's a wonderful opportunity for you to see your own ego which is no more than the human ego. It means there's anything wrong with you. Right. Uh, but to observe the ego in action. This is always the greatest thing. To, and then at that moment when you become aware of this kind of thought, emotional, mental emotional pattern in you, who are you? When you recognize it, you're already in the space of awareness from where you recognize it. And you take away its power. You diminish yes. its power. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so people, there are many reasons why people don't apologize. People don't apologize because they may not even know that there is anything to apologize in their view of things. Mm -hmm. Or they may not apologize because their interpretation of what's happened is the complete opposite of your interpretation. And perhaps they think or their ego thinks that you should apologize. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, I like to think I do. <laughs> and I, other, I, other, I get it. Yeah. But also that's how you're using it based on what you're saying, you, you, based on what you've just told us here. It's your ego's way of feeling uh, superior because you like to yeah. think you do and you're the one that goes and says, well, I apologized and you didn't. Or, yes. or you can keep a resentment inside for quite a while and in a resentment, whenever you think of that person or you meet that person, there's a little resentment there at the back, which is also the ego. The resent ego loves hanging on to resentments. And when resentments go on for a long time, as I've described somewhere in the book, yeah. they become grievances. Right. Grievances are heavy, long-term resentments. resentments. So you can observe that in yourself and again uh, be happy that you are observing, able to observe the ego in you. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. And of course, if, and then another person, the other person who is not apologizing, perhaps it's their ego who prevents them from apologizing because the ego in many people, this is not a particular function perhaps of your ego, but in many other people, the ego finds it almost impossible to apologize because it believes that it would be losing something by apologizing, which of course is a delusion. So these things happen. It's a wonderful opportunity for you to see your own ego and by seeing it, realize awareness grows in you. That's right. Bob, what's your question for Eckhart? Yes, on page 265, Eckhart refers to your external purpose becomes charged with spiritual power because your aims and intentions will be one with the evolutionary impulse of the universe. 
I love that. What is, what is the evolutionary impulse of the universe? That is so great. Okay. Let's read that one more time. Yeah. Once that foundation, you, he says, fulfilling your primary purpose is laying the foundation for a new reality, a new earth. Once that foundation is there, your external purpose becomes charged with spiritual power because your aims and intentions will be one with the evolutionary impulse of the universe. Thank you, because I had written, aha, and there are three little, I've read it three times, and I got <laughs> stars, circles, everything <laughs> around that. That's a great, thank you for bringing that up, Bob. Okay. What do you mean by that? Now, um, I'm not sending you back to the book, but the answer is somewhere in the book, so, but I'm not sending you there now, okay. so let's look at it. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the evolutionary purpose of the universe is the growth of consciousness. It's going towards something is flowing into this world of so-called matter, physicality. Something is flowing into this world of physicality or matter that comes from a different dimension, almost one could say. Well, how do I know this? Because I know it in myself. Mm -hmm. And I know it, I've observed it in other people too. Mm -hmm. Something is flowing into this world of this heavy, it seems to be very heavy, the heaviness of matter. Something very different flows in, which I call consciousness, mm -hmm. which you can call spirit. So a spirit is beginning, has already, started a long time ago, but more, now beginning more fully through the human form, amongst other forms, to come into this world more and more fully. This is the arising of awareness, the arising of presence. And all that is part of the greater evolution because there's a famous dictum, which is so true, as above, so below. So whatever happens here on this planet and in the human form, will be reflected throughout the universe. These are universal movements. As above, so below. As below, so above. So there's a, what happens here in, micro, in the microcosm of the Earth will also be happening in the macrocosm. So when I say how people might ask me, how do you know what the purpose of, what the evol purpose of the universe is, the evolution of the universe is? Because I know it in myself. It's, if you know it in yourself, you know many, many answers, even about the macrocosm, because the macrocosm is no more than a reflection of the inner. And you see it all the time in nature. Yes. You see it all the time in nature. The whole process that's going on in nature is also going on with humans. Yes. If we compare ourselves to, to nature. Yes. Yeah, the principles are the same. Yes. Yeah. Did that answer your question, Bob? Kind of. No, don't. You have to, to really know the answer. You have to go within. It's not through the mind or through somebody like listening to me and then saying, okay, I believe what you said. I don't want anybody to believe what I said. I want people to, to really go within and verify within themselves whether or not that is true in their own experience. So by becoming more conscious of your inner being, Okay many answers will come. Okay, let me, let, me, let me take a stab at it, interpreting what I hear uh, Eckhart saying. He's saying that there is, you know, there's a universal source or power of energy that all of us, that, that we all stem from that universal power or source or energy. You're with me, right? And you can call it God, you can call it whatever you choose to call it, you can call it 
you know, higher consciousness, or you can call it universal energy, you can call it the divine. When you tap into the part of you that is, we're calling consciousness, or presence, or inner purpose, when you tap into that, that is connected to the source of all universal power and energy. You with me so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And when you tap into that part of you that is connected to all universal power and energy, um, your aims and intentions will be one with what all universal power and energy is striving for. And what it's striving for is for you to allow the consciousness to come through you as a human being. So that's what he means by evolutionary impulse. The impulse of the universe is to support you and you bringing about your higher consciousness. That's why you're here, is to allow that part of you that is connected to all that is universal energy, the source or God. To to, to better explain it, it is the God in you. When you allow the God in you to come forth, the God of all things supports that. Yeah. And you just gave yeah. us a demonstration of that because the whole energy shifted when you spoke those words. A very powerful energy came through. So beyond what you said, mm-hmm. the energy that came through with it was actually a demonstration of that. Well, thank you. <laughs> Did it? Yeah. Good it. You got it now, Bob? Yeah. Thanks, Gwen and Bob. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Well... Shall we continue here? You say your inner purpose is to awaken. It's as simple as that. You share that purpose with every other person on the planet because it is the purpose of humanity. So let's again talk about what it means to awaken. Doesn't the very word purpose imply that you can do something about it? Purpose means on purpose. That's right. I ask that question. You say you can't make it happen, that it is an act of grace, this awakening. Yes, and what I talk about is the, the first moment of awakening. It happens or it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. First moment, which is the disidentification from the stream of thinking and the arising. It might only be a glimpse at first. The arising of awareness. You're suddenly becoming aware that there is a realm underneath thinking. There's a realm of stillness inside you. Mm-hmm. You touch it. Maybe you're out in nature. But that stillness is primarily an, an inner dimension and it can arise anywhere. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's good to have experience it there where the envir- environment is most conducive to experiencing ultimately the inner, because if you don't feel it on the inner, you won't really be aware of, this, of the silence around you. That's right. It's only through the inner that you can be aware of the outer silence. So to, to be aware of silence, uh-huh. how, uh, how can you be aware of silence? Only by being still. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it's only the stillness in you that is aware of the silence. If your mind were totally occupied with noisy thinking, you wouldn't even know it's still around you. Or you would say for a moment, oh, it's very still, and then you carry on thinking. Right. You wouldn't really experience it. So there's the, the equivalent of outer stillness. The, this is the outer dimension of spirit. Right. Say, is you, can, you can sense the spirit that's out there in nature but you can only sense it because you already have it within you. It's uh-huh. that in you that's response, that senses it. 
So only people whose mind is not totally noisy can actually be aware of silence. Mm. And so uh, I sometimes observe when I go, I will go for a walk in the forest every day, and often I see people who are jogging or walking their dogs, and very few are really there. Mm -hmm. They're talking, they're talking on the phone. They have headphones on. Uh, they're talking to their friends, and or they're immersed so they in thinking. Could be anywhere. Could, could be, be anywhere, anywhere right. in the office. Right. Yeah. Um, someone asked Eckhart, everything you say in your book resonates with my spirit, so I believe it to be true. However, do people ever ask you how you know all of this? If so, how do you respond? Where does your knowledge come from? This is Renee in Indianapolis. Well, that's where does a... your knowledge come from? How do you know what you know? <laughs> well, the essence of it comes through inner realization. It's, in other words, it's by touching the consciousness that one is, that yes. you are. It comes through becoming still and listening for what comes out of the stillness. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not primarily based on knowledge, although, of course, I have read spiritual books, quite a few. I use sometimes some of the terminology that is already in existence, has mm -hmm. been in existence for a long, long time. But the book is more than just a compilation of other spiritual books that I have read. The essence of the book is in my own realization. So in other words, the answers come by being still. When I write, I sit there with a notepad, a pen, and become still. Not on computer? No. Okay. Everything is done by hand. Mm -hmm. So I, and then I wait for some a movement of thought to come out of the stillness. Mm -hmm. And then gradually a thought formulates itself. And then there is a critical faculty that says, okay, does that make sense? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. If it doesn't make sense, I become still again. And then perhaps a thought, a thought that is more suited to what I can sense comes up. And then I write it down. So did you write this book from the place of inner space? You know, last week we talked about inner space. And uh, I was a little frustrated until the end of the class because I was trying to get this concept of inner space across to all of our listeners. Remember I said to you, I'm a little frustrated. Yeah. And you said, because you cannot understand it through concepts and language, no. that inner space isn't something you can understand with your mind. No. So as an explanation, it's not very, it's not very satisfying when one talks about inner stillness and then people try to understand, okay, what's he actually talking about? And you can see already when you're in your head and say, Inner stillness, what's, what's that about? Well, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make, of course it doesn't to the mind. Or people say, it's all that woo-woo stuff. Yes, yeah. that's what some journalists uh, often say. They come to spirituality and say, oh, it's all that stuff. Goo -goo -goo. They don't give themselves a chance. Yeah. You really, it's, it's, you have to give yourself a chance and see whether you can sense in yourself that to which these words point. Yes. So, and only then does it become real and alive. And that is the same thing we're saying to Bob and Gwen, when Bob is trying to say, what do you mean by the evolutionary impulse of the universe? What that really means is that when you are in alignment, when your inner purpose is aligned with what you do, that you will be supported by the spirit of God or by universal energy in such a way that life opens up to you. Mm -hmm. And people think, oh, it's about you being lucky or gee, isn't that strange that this happened or serendipitous things happen, things fall into line, yes. right, when you are in alignment. Yes, that they fall into line. That's uh, one way or another. Everybody can experience that. So why not give it a try? Live 
as if the present moment were more important than past and future. And on a practical level, of course, you still use mm -hmm. past and future. But give your attention to this, spend some, a few days or a few weeks living in that way, immediately surrendering negativity when it arises and mm -hmm. recognizing it as ego-based or pain-body-based. Because all ego, all negativity is ego-based? Well, negativity loves ego. It's a denial of life. The mm -hmm. moment you identify with negativity, that's part of the ego. Mm -hmm. So experiment with, because you've lived in one particular state of consciousness for many years, mm -hmm. try something different and see what happens. And what happens primarily and first of all is an inner shift. And after a little time gap sometimes, it gets reflected in the outer realm also. But that's no longer the main thing because the main thing is already that you enter that state of peaceful, alive presence in yourself when mm -hmm. you're aligned with what is, aligned with the now. And that's what matters. The rest is the icing on the cake. When good things happen to you, it doesn't mean you now feel good because something good has happened to you. Something good has happened to you because you've already found the goodness within you. That's right. So you can only manifest that which you already are. Yes. Yes, you already are that. Whatever people are looking for, whatever form, they already are that. <laughs> They're looking for God. And I'm not saying that this form is God. I'm not saying that this person is God. I'm saying the essence you go deep enough within, there is a, a realm where you and God merge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's everybody's destiny and purpose to live from that place of connectedness. Yes, because the I am, the I am, is I am that which comes from God. Yes. I am that which comes from God. Yes. So here we are, week nine, only one more class to go. and. I bet so many people can relate to this. Many people, you say on page 262, who are going through the early stages of awakening are no longer certain what their outer purpose is. What drives the world, you say, no longer drives them. Seeing the madness of our civilization so clearly, they may feel somewhat alienated from the culture around them. So what do you do in this case? If you're at this point in your life where reading this book has shaken you up and you realize more than ever what you don't want to do. You realize, I have been on the wrong course. You realize... Yes. You have an awakening. Yes. Now what do you do? Yes. I'm all awakened. Yes. Now what? Well, the awakening, of course, is the realization of your inner purpose primarily. Yes. Uh, so don't come into conflict with where you are now or what you're doing now. If you cannot surrender to what you're doing now and be, be okay with it, at least bring acceptance. We talk about in the next chapter. Mm -hmm. At least bring acceptance to whatever you're doing now so that you're okay with it that's, that is vital, then you are in a state of clarity. You, you enter a state of clarity when you are no longer in opposition to your present moment, life where you live or what you are doing. If you cannot surrender, if whatever you are doing continues to produce unhappiness in you, and no matter how hard you try, then of course it's a clear sign that you need to leave that situation. Right. So either you let go of the resistance and see if you can, and sometimes people say, no, I can't, but what they really mean is, no, I'm not willing to. Not willing to, which <laughs> so is very you, different. You need to see the difference between not being able to and not being willing to, and whatever applies to you, 
am I not willing to accept this moment or am I truly incapable of accepting this moment? If you find you're truly incapable of accepting this moment where you're doing your job or whatever you're doing, then it is a sign that it's time for change. Got it. Um, many times you will be able to uh, uh, have this energy flow into what you're doing already and transform how you do perhaps what you've been doing for many years in perhaps in a state of resistance uh -huh. and suddenly how you do it changes you're no longer doing it in a state of inner resistance and then you bring a completely inner completely different energy into what you do consciousness flows into what you do and often either this is deeply fulfilling and it affects many people around you or it could also happen that, that now that you're no longer resisting what you do, change suddenly comes into your life. I got that. This is a beautiful quote from page 266. You say that the great arises out of small things that are honored and cared for. Everybody's life really consists of small things. Greatness is a mental abstraction and a favorite fantasy of the ego. The paradox is that the foundation for greatness is honoring the small things of the present moment instead of pursuing the idea of greatness. Yes. It's that one step. That's right. So many people have this idea, I want to achieve something great, great. or be somebody great, and they neglect the step that leads to greatness. They don't honor this step at this moment because they have this idea of some future moment where they are going to be great. Right. And then it's surprising when you truly look at people perhaps whom you would say have achieved great things, mm -hmm. that even in their life, it really is a, a sequence of small steps because every moment is quite small. You, you are wherever you are at this moment. Some people believe, not to mention you, some people believe I'm doing great work. I mean, I am because the consciousness is moving through this form. I don't feel personally responsible for what I do as mm -hmm. such. But even there, it is small steps. When the writing happens, there's a notepad and a pen, and there's the present moment, and there's the stillness. Very small. There's not some idea, I'm going to create a work that's going to change everybody's consciousness. No, I'm just true to this moment. What is mm -hmm. this moment requires? It's a blank piece of sheet of paper and a pen and a stillness. It's a small thing. Or when I give a talk, talk maybe 2,000 people come, Every, if I had this idea, I'm now going to give an important big talk mm -hmm. that would lead to stress and fear because maybe it's not going to be that great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but if you can be, st with every step being present, it's time to, the car comes to pick me up. If you step into the car, then I sit in the car, the car moves towards the venue where the talk is going to be. I look out of the window, simple. People walking past the tree, the sky, just this moment, step out, step, sit in the waiting of the green room to wait for the talk to start, breathing, simple, nothing big, just a little moment, this moment, being true to that. Then step onto the stage, there's an empty chair, I sit in it, still, breathe. I know there's 2,000 people there, and I also know I have no idea what's going to come out of this mouth. Uh -huh. Being happy with not knowing, still, not big, it's all small. It's all a sequence of very small moments. And by being true to the small moment, something great arises. Yeah, and the biggest lesson from tonight is 
by being true to the small moments, by being true to this moment, it means to bring the sense of presence, the sense of consciousness to every single moment so that everything that you do is fueled from a deeper level than your ego. Everything you do is fueled from a deeper level than your thoughts. That everything you do is fueled from your being. And that is what gives meaning and purpose to whatever you do. Yes. That's the essence. Yes. Right. It's wonderful to see you when the power comes through, you talk. It's beautiful. The words are so true. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. As I said, next week will be our last class on A New Earth, the finale. Get ready for our last class, Chapter 10, A New Earth, How to Bring Awareness to Every Moment of Your Life. There really is no higher calling. This was great. Thank you. Hey, Super Solars. Looking for a great new read or listen? Well, that's why we're so excited about Oprah's new book, the Path Made Clear, Discovering Your Life's Direction and Purpose. Oprah has collected all of the lessons she's learned from thought leaders like Eckhart Tolle and Brene Brown and innovators like Jay-Z and Lin-Manuel Miranda, who all understand what it means to achieve the life of your dreams. The Path Made Clear is available now on Apple Books, Amazon, Audible, and at your local bookstore. It really is a game changer for anyone seeking to discover their true calling and start living it. So what are you waiting for? Get the book now and begin your journey today. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.